Hey, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Make It Lab podcast. Like butt cheeks, but also applause. I'm your host, Kadani Kimaru. This is a podcast about the good, the bad, the ugly conversations in life, love, and everything in between. Last week, I caught up with an old friend of mine, Fuego, and we talked about what it's like to be a human on the internet and how arguing with people online is almost always a bad idea. So this week, I called up my friend Tuto, who was actually on the first episode of this podcast where we talked about love in lockdown in this period of a pandemic. And I called her up and said, hey, I kind of want a different perspective on this, so... Can we talk about what it's like to be online as someone who didn't really value a social media presence and realizing that in today's age, it's something that's super important, being a black woman online and how much of that identity factors into our day to day and the general stress of the lived realities of black women and trying to find a space online to kind of seek some sanity from that general madness of the world. So we get into that. We also talk about how social media is definitely not how we once knew it. Um, It's a great conversation. I'm super happy I could have Tuto back on. So here it is, episode seven of the Make It Clap podcast. All right, you ready? So, I'm ready. I think we'll we'll see how it goes, eh? (laughs) What kind of social media user are you, and what platforms do you find tend to spark the most outrage for you? Um, the second question is easier to to answer than the first. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, I want to start with that one. Um, I don't know about you, because like we had Facebook in kind of the really early days of Facebook. So it was just like for college students and, you know, you just share like all your pictures. Like it was, we, I still remember that time where it was like just us little niche group. And then I watched it grow into like the old, like into our parents' generation and like your conspiracy uncles. And like it was such a weird thing to watch happen, you know? <laughs> When I speak to my younger siblings of them now, they just know Facebook as where all the crazies go to spit their crazy. They didn't watch it happen in like real time. (laughs) So I would have to say Facebook is definitely that platform that sparks the most outrage, not just because of what happens to show up on the platform, but just because I always have the thing in the back of my mind of it wasn't always like this. Like even like 4chan and all those things when they just started, it was just like cutesy little forums and then you watched it disintegrate <laughs> into the hellscape that it is today. And it's like, wow, guys, if I tell you that once upon a time we used to come here and feel safe, you would never imagine. You know, the thing that tells me Facebook has transformed the most is when I, get, <laughs> when I go through the Facebook memories and I look at photos that especially we took in high school. The albums upon albums of every party that we ever had, all the wild things we used to do. And I look back on them now and I would never post 
even a quarter of the photo portfolio I have on Facebook anywhere right now. Ever. Anywhere. Like, not a chance. This is not even a prayer of, like, but that's the thing. Facebook used to be, like, our safe space where we'd, like, share. And now it's just, and and I, I am pretty good at curating my social media feeds. Like, I'm mm. not that person who will just follow everything and anyone or, like, that's not my thing. Um, I'm quite careful. I also just don't accept all random people onto my platforms. Yeah. You know, but even as careful as I am, I cannot stop the vitriol that is Facebook. <laughs> and, like, every now and again, you just come across those, like, really old friends, and, and then they just share something that makes you pause, and you're like, ah, oh, do you kind of suck now? Like, why do I have to ask these questions? Like, oh, God, okay. Um, <laughs> like at least twice a week on my Facebook page. I have to have that chat with like about some of my contacts. I'm like, oh, okay. And then and every time I give somebody the benefit of the doubt, I'm like, okay, let's just, let's see. Maybe this is just a once-off posting. Yeah. I, then some come with the regulars and you're like, oh, okay. Unfriend, thanks. It's been fun, but. <laughs> uh, you know what's a really funny thing that happens on, so Facebook particularly, I think because it's mostly usually people you know, right? Like um, mm-hmm. on Twitter, it's mostly strangers. I don't think everyone following me knows me, but yeah, that's true. That's another beast entirely. But on Facebook, I do hate that moment where you realize someone you've known for so long, and it's like, my really fuck now. I don't, I don't yeah. think we can be friends anymore. And then, yeah. I, so <laughs> I don't unfriend. I just mute. Like I'll mute your posts for a while, mm-hmm. but then. The funny thing is when I mute people and I don't see them online anymore, and then one day they kind of pop up somewhere and I'm like, oh shit, you're still alive. Like, I really thought, <laughs> <laughs> like I thought you, you were dead. And not like you were dead to me. Just I didn't see you online <laughs> because I blocked you. And it's surprising to me that your life has continued. <laughs> The thing is, I completely understand what you mean. Like, I, I get that. I, I, I used to be a muter. I used to also do that. But it's just now, I don't know if it's the 2020 vibe or whatever. And, yeah. But I'm really getting quite handy with those scissors here. I'm like, Mm-mm. no, I'm not even, there's nothing to salvage here. If these are the things you are sharing publicly, what are you saying at home? Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm already just like, and, and, and I used to do that. I used to be like, oh, okay, we'll give you a chance. And like, we'll just mute you. And then we'll see. I know now, I don't know. Let's call it the 30s where I'm just, I ain't got time to be giving people <laughs> chances. <sighs> okay, so Facebook for sure has, I find like Facebook and Twitter is, are both interesting because I feel like they have the same amount of crazy, just like in very different ways. So yes. on Twitter, I feel it's just like strangers being mad at other strangers mm. for no particular reason. And then on Facebook, I find it's people that you know, unfortunately, <laughs> just like spreading the most. Ah, Facebook has very niche, like misogynoir <laughs> content it's very like nuanced there and and, and uh facebook is, is facebook is very tricky i'm not gonna lie i that's that's why it's one of, of all the platforms i'm on and like the time is as time goes on i'm spending less and less time on facebook because 
um, like a lot of the posts will just be so, you know, if you're not paying attention, you'd kind of just let it, you'd let it slide. And then it just sort of like sits in the back of your mind and you're like, something about that bothered me, but I don't quite know why. But just that the way Facebook is set up, I think they kind of do it on purpose. Yeah. That it's difficult to like click into something and engage with the content. It's like kind of just shock you and then like move on. And then, you know, it's, mm. and, and so yeah, Facebook is very, it's, it's, I find it very, very tricky that way. Um, and that's why in the beginning, like I said, when people like share a lot of misinformation, it's very easy. That share button is just, there's something about it. At least like, you know, what's the thing? Twitter will kind of ask you if you're going to quote tweet. Or so. I feel like there's a bit of a pause with Twitter that can make you stop and think. Hmm. But Facebook, it's just like, it's, it just feels, it just, there's like a one second difference that feels a little bit quicker. And I've just, in my my experience just like this the misinformation goes so far and then nobody will ever i heard that sort of on your last podcast with a guy saying that you nobody will come and say oh i was wrong about those arguments or and then, <laughs> you, know, you, you won't change anybody's mind on facebook but similarly like people aren't really forthcoming to be like okay you know what i should this thing as it turned out this was the wrong information i'm mm-hmm. sorry i'm taking mm-hmm. down the post and like share something from a reputable source it's just like okay no it's on my facebook it's there forever like i must die with this opinion to twist myself into knots to defend it i'm like no guys there's so much information out there it's okay it's okay to say you didn't know it's we really need to be okay with saying i don't know guys <laughs> i don't know why we have to be so stubborn about it sometimes you think something is true and then it turns out it's not true it's fine like <laughs> you won't die <laughs> You said um, Fuego was saying in the last episode about, and I hope it would be the last episode, but I don't even know when I'll play this one. But in that episode where I was talking with him and he was saying, yeah, like, it's so true. You don't argue with people on the internet and then they come back and they're like, hey, by the way, you made some really good points. And I checked that out and it's, it's correct. So I'm sorry about that. And then we move on, right? Like that never happened. <laughs> That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And the sad thing is that even if you want to be the kind of person who does that, that internet culture has you so afraid that you're just like, everyone's going to focus on the thing you said first, not the fact that you're apologizing for it and that you've changed your mind about it. It's going to be like, oh, but in that article, she said, and I'm like, okay, yes, but I've changed my mind. Like, <laughs> I, And that's, that's actually, I think, what really frustrates me about... Um, the internet just like as it is right now is that it's as if we're no longer allowed to change our minds about things the way you naturally would like as a normal human being but but then I don't know okay so yeah before I lose my train of thought so here's the thing that I'm thinking right like people will kind of tend to post the same things because they're only seeing what the algorithm is letting them see, which is things that they're yes. most interested in, right? And reaffirming their beliefs. Mm. And there's a lot of like confirmation bias that happens online. Yes. Um, so I always get torn between this idea of mm. my social media spaces are my private spaces. So I can kind of, I can do whatever I want and I can say what I want and that's just how I feel yeah. and that's what I think. But then mm-hmm. I'll see a very, let me call it opposing viewpoint. I don't want to say something stupid because they're probably looking at my yeah. content thinking it's stupid. Um, 
and then I'll see something that's opposing. <laughs> I'm like, no, that person is using the internet wrong. Like, stop spreading like fake. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also their own space, right? Like, I can't exactly tell them what to do. And yeah. Like, I hate that about the internet. Yeah. It's it's the best and the worst thing about the internet. The internet is just it's it's a completely level playing field. I mean, we're speaking obviously in a situation where everyone has access to it, but you know that whole net neutrality argument, like all of those yeah. things, is just that is what the internet does. It levels the playing field. Like you could have, <clears throat> I mean, you as just average Joe can reach the same amount of people as a massive corporation. Mm. like that to me is insane there was a time when that was just not possible it was just not a thing um where joe schmo can have like a million people viewing his content and he didn't work for a major television corporation right mm. but you're right it does make everything kind of crazy and i know what you're talking about where you try and venture out of your echo chamber a little bit you know because <laughs> you want to be informed about like different views yeah. um but you've got to go in with such a thick skin eh? like, <laughs> Because that internet is such a level playing field and it's such the wild west, it's so easy to get caught up in that that bullshit. Either you're reading somebody's argument or you're just there. Somebody that really, in terms of the interaction you and that other individual ever have, it's like nothing. (laughs) You won't pass him in the streets. It's not your neighbor. It's not your nothing. And yet you get so emotionally invested in that in that. Um, what you call in that whole situation, yeah. and that's just what the internet does. It's 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 like a fascinating horror show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think actually happens, and I think particularly on Twitter, where the algorithm definitely is rewarding that type of behavior, mm. that antagonistic type of behavior. I think that you know how they say money doesn't change people; it just like amplifies qualities that they already had. And I really feel like the internet is kind of that, right? So absolutely. It's I, I do think that we were very we were definitely hanging out with the same people, having the same thoughts, and that's why we had like powerful motivational quotes like, you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. Da, da, da. <laughs> um I love internet wisdom. Oh my god, <laughs> it's the best. Okay, wait, no, you're going, you're going to throw me off track because I'm going to tell you a story now that has nothing to do with that. Um, and so I think, like, naturally, yes, you would be existing in some kind of echo chamber or you would be, I don't know, naturally gossipy, but there's something mm. about the internet that just, like, amplifies it. And I think it's because yeah. there's a lot more potential online for clout. So in high school when you were like a mean girl and you were gossiping and you had all the information right like that was kind of the power mm. you had right and now on the internet yes. everyone wants to be that ultimate regina george and is <laughs> out to regina georging each other every other day for those who yes. have no idea what i'm talking about that's mean girls and if you had no idea <laughs> please stop listening to this podcast <laughs> Congratulations on your youth. That's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, if you don't know Mean Girls, congratulations on your youth. Good for being young. On you. That's that's yeah. Enjoy it. That's all we can say. Then just move on. Don't bother trying to explain it. <laughs> 
and it's time for a quick break. When we come back, Tutu and I continue this conversation on creating safe spaces online for ourselves, forming your identity as a necessary part of kind of being a person in today's world if you want to be employed, among other things. So we'll be right back. something about like you're really good at curating your online spaces i'm terrible at this which is why every three weeks i get so frustrated with my feeds or i have to take like a break because i'm just kind of seeing the same stuff over and over again or i'm seeing stuff that keeps triggering me how yeah how do you curate your content i or the people that you follow (laughs) i'm really struggling with that to be honest because i want to know Uh, the tea and I also want like knowledge. So I don't know. It's a very, um, yeah, it's a very, very strange balance. So I think in one part, it starts with uh, having all your pages on private. Like, <laughs> I'm very picky about the friend requests and so on. But you know, it, it has its, like, uh, you know, everything's got its pros and its cons. So yeah, the good thing is that from the beginning of when social media entered my life, um, cause you know, I had like those super African parents and everything you watched it, the, like CSI was big back in the day. So it was like putting your picture, just your face on the internet was just inviting all the predators. They'll come to your house. They'll like analyze the corner tile of your house and know exactly where you live. That's what I live. That's what I grew up with. <laughs> I had perfect access to the internet. Do not get me wrong. My parents didn't deny me internet, but that was kind of the, the narrative that I was brought up with. So. I was just always, always very particular about, um, you know, the people that I accept online or what I'd post online or uh, just any of that. That sort of did fall by the wayside when high school, when the later part of high school came along. (laughs) And like my early 20s, that did kind of um, slip away a bit. But, you know, just throughout my adult life, I've just been very, very careful about the people I accept onto my feet. I think the only page I have that is, not private is my Twitter. As this because it was private for such a long time that I literally didn't have any content on my timeline. I had nothing on my feed. It was boring as hell. So I was like, okay, seeing as I don't post anything too personal on Twitter, then it's fine. Like that page can be open. Um, and then that one, it's algorithms just do the thing. So it's still like quite an echo chamber. I don't get anything that's too outrageous. Um, and yeah, just regularly. I also take regular breaks. Um, it does frustrate the people who know and love me, but if they do know and love me, they know that they must just understand. <laughs> we understand. We so understand. like, you know, no, it's just like every like once or twice a year, I'll just disappear off all social media platforms with like no notice, and I won't tell you when I'll be back. And it's just because for whatever reason at that time, maybe the feeds just got too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just need a break. Uh, and then when I get back into it, and I do always come back. Let me not sit here all high and mighty and be like, oh, I'm going to live without social media. No, that's, that's <laughs> not <true>. <laughs> <laughs> I will come back. But it's just when I do, I always make sure it's at a time when I'm really ready. And then I will do all the stuff with a clearer mind and then it's easier for me to to like declutter and be like okay you know what every time I see this page or this person is always posting things that just is constantly triggering I'm Mm. not about that 
and then I re either remove the page or you know mute or delete the person. My main trick was just not allowing a lot of people onto my pages in the first place. Be like, I need to know you before I let you see my Instagram. <laughs> I was coming to sort of the the, the negative side of that, mm. and I kind of missed the boat where everybody was you know, getting a YouTube channel and like, you know, actively putting themselves on the internet. And so I sort of, like I said, it came from the era where it was like, if I was put on the internet, it wasn't really my doing. Friends mm -hmm. took pictures and then they were posted and there was really nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Um, but now, and especially this year, I've seen that the whole thing of consciously branding yourself online is now a thing. Like actually you kind of have to, you can't escape it anymore. And with me being quite as closed off as I've been on social media, I've now found that that's kind of played to my disadvantage. Mm. Uh, and I sort of did my whole beginning of my working career not really needing to have an internet presence. And now I realize that I do need one. And so having to like go into that mindset of like, how would I put myself online, getting over that fear because, as I said, how I grew up and, and the way that I thought about the internet when I was younger, it's like such it's so much work that's actually the word for it is a lot of <laughs> mental gymnastics that i kind of have to, to go through <laughs> why do you think you need social media now versus not needing it before i mean i think the fact of the matter is that the internet is is here to stay i mean it's it's, it's just like there's there's no escaping it now uh i think like our generation was kind of the last offline generation so we do still remember um you know a life without the internet even though it was there it wasn't as like accessible as ubiquitous as it is now you know we remember going to the library to look up things for school projects and if you or at least not that we were old enough to have jobs or whatever but when we'd hear older people talking about jobs it was all about you know, how you dress and your CV and like all these physical, tangible, tangible things. And there was no concept of how you present yourself online. And at least when we started with social media, it was still again, quite the early days of social media. It didn't feel like something that had anything to do with your professional life. It was like, how I am on Facebook <laughs> is not how I am at school, is not how I am, you know. <laughs> And Jesus, if I'm going to like really expose my age, sort of even pre-Facebook, you know, your MySpace time and like, um, what do we have? Like five, was it five or High five? five. No, there was High five. High five. There we go. That one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like your MSN messenger, like those things were like completely within your friendship group. Like there was no concept that, you know, one day you'd look for a job and your employer would check your social media in order to decide whether um, to hire you or not. And when that whole thing started with, you know, employers looking at um, possible employees' uh, social media, I remember the outrage. We were like, what the hell? No, like how I am at a party is not how I'm going to be at my, at my job. Like, how dare you? Um, but now the argument has become kind of moot. It's, there's just no escaping it at all. So I completely understand the, the to then control your narrative. Like, okay, fine. If you are going to Google me, if you are going to look me up online, like, let me at least make sure that you're seeing the content that I want you to see, uh, rather than trying to hide it or, or bury it, because it's basically impossible now. It's just so, yeah, like, just rather, that's why I feel like 
I need to. I'm not speaking about overexposing myself, but I mm-hmm. just, I think at the moment, a lot of the stuff you'd find if you Google me is stuff that isn't, I haven't put up there. It's things from my job, it's things from school, it's things from completely external sources. Yeah. And, you know, right now it's fine, but that, that can turn really quickly. <laughs> Something you said about an employer, like going to look at your social media profiles to decide mm. like what kind of person you are. Um, I mean, okay, first of all, I think, I generally don't think companies should be doing that. But then, so sometimes I'm just like, mm. assholes on, online should not have work. But then I'm pretty sure I have been an asshole online to someone, right? <laughs> I was saying, it's, it's so tricky. We're having to rewrite so many rules that we, like norms that we took for granted. They're having to be rewritten every single day. Um, because the internet is bringing up all of these kinds of questions. And mm-hmm. I had like completely the same thing. I was like, well, like who I am online is just one little piece of my reality. Um, mm-hmm. And it's definitely not how I behave at work. Like there's not a chance. <laughs> Even on my highly curated like Instagram uh, thing where I don't, I yeah. don't post, actually let me say Instagram is not even that great. My Facebook now, I'll say my Facebook in the last six years or so. Yeah. I have been so particular about what I post. I am so, so fussy about any, even like status updates or whatever. I think about it. But I hate that I have to do that. I hate mm-hmm. that that's what it's now become. That's something that I have to worry about. Because I'm like, yeah, sometimes I want to just be an asshole. Like, why can't I just, is there no way left where I can do that without having to worry? <laughs> um, but again, it's a dangerous argument because when people become assholes on the internet, wow, they go the full, like the full asshole. Like you don't even stop for breaks. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> They commit to it a hundred percent. Go to the worst extreme. <laughs> and they commit all the way to the end. And it's like, wow, I did not know those that, you know, those are the levels that you could reach. So that's the thing about the internet. And then just like you said earlier, that it's hard for you to say like you're using the internet wrong. Mm. It's, it's, that's really, it's a, such a tricky argument to make. You want to make it every single time. You see All the time. On the internet. All the that's time. the first thing you're like, ah, this is not how we use it. <laughs> <laughs> not on Joe, oh, I was about to say Joe Biden's internet. What's, not on Al Gore's <laughs> internet. <laughs> Not on Al Gore's internet. <laughs> not on Al Gore's internet. Oh, my. This is not how you do that. But, you know. Um, but then, so the, how, I guess that kind of leads me to this idea of how, well, maybe it's a two-part question. So like, one, how authentic are you, like, online? Or do you believe people should have to be online? And then, like, how authentic can you be online? safely I feel like do you think you have a persona I so I think like speaking for myself like I don't think in any instance I have different personas or people like I don't code switch if I can call it yeah so personality switch because I really try to be the same person even at work I am literally the same person that I am on the podcast on with friends like I don't I mean, I might tone down the language a bit, but it's pretty much the same. (laughs) Um, But then, yeah, so I'm thinking, like, I don't think that the version of me that's online is inauthentic, but it really is a very small facet 
of my entire life. And I think sometimes I get lost, maybe like a lot of people do, trying to manage that image and make sure that it's like a true representation of who you are, but then how could it ever be when it's really just like a newsfeed and a caption or 140 characters? It's impossible. Mm. It's impossible. There's no way. Um, And it's funny that you asked me that question because it's something I've been thinking about a lot, uh, especially as I said this year, where I've really gotten into the um, idea of putting myself out on any social media platforms. I mean, even doing this podcast, if you asked me like two years ago, I'd have been like, no ways. (laughs) Good timing on my part. (laughs) Very good timing. That was top notch on the timing there because uh, even my boyfriend was surprised. He was like, you too don't like, you know, this thing goes out where other people can hear you. I'm like, yes, I know how a podcast works. Okay, we're trying something new. Okay. <laughs> new and different. 2020, man. <laughs> 2020, we've got to try some new things here. <laughs> um, obviously, like the versions of myself that are on the internet, it's just, it's really a slice. But as somebody who's spent a not insignificant portion of her life code switching, um, that does come quite easily for me. Like I know how to sort of switch my style, my persona, whatever it is to the situation that I'm in. Again, has its ups and its downsides. Um, but online, it's, I don't know, I've just, I've always been so careful. And sometimes I hated it because it felt inauthentic. At the same time, the careful version of me is as much a part of me as any other part of me. So how inauthentic can it really be? And it becomes a little bit chicken and egg after a while. <laughs> We're going to take another quick break when we come back the final part of the conversation between tuto and i about what it's like to be a black woman on the internet and how much of that actually informs the way we operate in these online spaces we'll be right back all the like podcasts or channels or Anything that I've engaged with in the last six months, I'm like, I have to feel it. Yeah. If I don't feel it, I, I really, I skip over it. And, and when there's that like push to be like, oh, I'm so chill. I'm so, but you know, it's like, oh, I, I'm, and I, I just, that often, that fake authenticity. And I feel like your life is so curated, but mm. you want to make it seem like it's, it's completely natural. That's the one thing I don't like about social media. And I really think if you're not careful, um, it's a whole new different kind of peer pressure yeah the people that i do follow and and especially people i know or people that i i grew up with um and i am including you in this who are putting themselves out there and i so see you just living your lives those are actually more of the pages or um or the content that really inspires me because it does feel authentic and i'm like i know these people so they have no reason, like, I know they have no reason to be bullshitting. So. Yeah. <laughs> but there are others who are strangers. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, I know. It's, it's, maybe I'm, I'm biased. But I was getting to my point that there are, like, strangers that I follow, people that yeah. I don't know at all. But their content speaks to me. And it feels, at least to me, it feels real. Mm. And that I can definitely engage with. And I like, I like seeing people who aren't as together, like, if, you know, if I just like see you falling down off your bicycle or something, I just that that's that's my that's my jam. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm clumsy too. 
But if the but if the fall is just a little bit too perfect, I'm like, no, next. <laughs> you can't fall with style. I don't believe. <laughs> uh, well, actually, what you've said has really made me think about when people look a bit like messy or like they don't have everything mm. together. There's a particular food blogger that uh, is Kenyan that I follow. And the reason I love her, I mean, other than the fact that I know her, we went to high school together, but we didn't exactly keep in touch. Um, And this was years and years ago. I love her feed because she is the most authentic, like mommy food blogger that I've seen. Like (laughs) you'll see her on her bad hair days. She'll take pictures of things and she'll be like, ignore the mess in the background. The cake is actually what I want Mm. you to see. (laughs) <laughs> I find her so refreshing. The thing I love the most about her is she really doesn't filter anything about herself. And even if she does, I haven't noticed. I feel like what she's presenting to me about like her life and her struggles is exactly what I what she wants me to see, but there's nothing inauthentic about it. You know? Yes. She's like No, that's that's kind of a thing. Yeah, she's like, this is just a piece and a part of my life, like me and my business and Mm. me and this, but this is not all of it. And I'm showing you specifically what I want you to see, but there's nothing inauthentic about what I am showing you still. Yes. And I love that. And that's that's the balance. I think that's the real sort of tightrope that you have to walk. I mean, I I can't even claim to be perfect in this. Like I've always said, I'm very careful. I'm, I'm not somebody who's going to post myself on a bad hair day I'm just not at that place <laughs> I'd like to be there but I'm not there yet but if I talk about content that I consume yeah that's definitely more my jam than anything else and look I'm not expecting social media to portray life perfectly I think that's not its function at all mm. it's just you've got to be very aware of the hyper reality of it all you know because you know when something's fantasy and you know when something is is real but social media is like completely blurred all of those lines Mm. and people that you think are living a certain way are actually not living that way and you know if you take the picture at the right angle it looks like something else and and you know i mean that's fine but it's just if you're not aware of it like we started making everyone on instagram um actually say that their ads are paid for or that they're i mean that they're being paid to promote a certain product, like those flat tummy teas and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Before that happened, it was just like, oh yeah, drink this laxative and you'll be skinny. <laughs> Man, we had a period in time where people were drinking laxatives <laughs> to lose weight. Oh my God. Like, that was a real thing that was happening. That was a real thing that was happening. And <sighs> so... That's a, that's actually another thing that I just feel like isn't spoken about enough. Like people, just that awareness of like mm. this thing that you're seeing through your phone is not, it's hyper reality. It's not every day. It, it's just this little slice. And even when it is authentic, it's a slice that was chosen like to be shared. Exactly. So you've got to take that with like a little bit of, you know, <laughs> That's such a great distinction. I love, mm. I'm going to start using that word as if it's my own. Like social media really is 
it's a hyper reality like it's it's reality on steroids where everything exactly is it's like um it's like one long acid trip mm. <laughs> how much of your identity online is informed by you being black and specifically like a black woman just trying to think in terms of i'd say if i'm thinking about my twitter account specifically mm-hmm. there you definitely see the most um in terms of that in or that aspect of my online personality because i do get a little bit more political on twitter than i do on my other platforms yeah uh, <laughs> but it definitely informs uh it forms who i follow it and it yeah informs a lot of what i post i'd say especially on twitter maybe that's because it's my only public platform but on my other platforms i don't want it to be the beginning and the end hmm. um of like my online personality you know it's like cuz that's in terms of the the hardships that come with that being like a black woman and everything that's yeah. my whole lived experience every day hmm. i use my social media platform sometimes to escape that that's what tv is for that's what the ah. internet is for so sometimes i don't want to um you know engage with that tra- especially when you're speaking about a traumatic thing like that's when i'm definitely like no i don't i can't my my mental health in terms of that would not cope mm. with something like that so then i'm very careful about how i present myself on social media because again algorithms you post one thing about afros and then your explore is just filled with a lot of black panther things and that's fine but you know sometimes i just want to look at flowers guys <laughs> some days i just want to feel good <laughs> i don't want to be stressed <laughs> i will also say that um as the years have gone on and i've become a lot more conscious of of certain things that i didn't think about when i was younger it has definitely altered what i am willing to post versus what i'm not it, it it is a different kind of conversation that i have with myself every now and again hmm. i so get that um i find more than ever especially this year i'm so i exercise so much caution and hesitance before i especially tweet something so twitter i feel Yes. For me, Twitter yeah, is also kind of the same. I used to be rah 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 like a whole mini activist like fighting for everything mm. then and I just got tired of it. And That's the thing. You you've said the way you said like you go online to escape the realities of being a black woman. Like you don't want to have to carry that hardship with you everywhere. Like it's so true sometimes I go into Instagram and I just want to look at cat videos or Yeah. whale swimming and i feel like instagram stay for the comment section might be the one pure place we have left like there's not a lot there's mm-hmm. less hate on there i think but, <laughs> you know i'm also not like tadi b so i don't know i don't know mm. um, <laughs> i have like 400 and something followers no one that's a thing no one gives a shit <laughs> <laughs> but i definitely i i i i don't know just like what you said about like social media being an escape from that particular reality and not wanting to engage with that type of content all the time has made me feel kind of released from the i felt like this invisible sense of obligation to follow like news about every 
terrible thing that's happened to a black woman or a woman or a child everywhere. And it just, it became too much for me, first of all. No one can take that amount of information about the same thing and just be like, okay. And also, yeah, I did come to that realization, like, man, I just want to come here and laugh and watch some songs, watch some black mm. platforms, sing a song really well, preferably not about black <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand. Mm. And the thing is, the, we're talking specifically about that obligation on the internet because um, I definitely know what that is. I also had, like, every time something would happen, I'd have to read the story and read all the details. Yeah. And, and that obligation is such a real thing. But if you think about how it extends to so many other facets of our lives mm. as black women, this invisible obligation to, to always keep your emotions in check, to, you know, be the strong, I'm going to use a strong black or strong African woman trope, yeah. you know, there's, so many or like when you're navigating a corporate space there's all these like little obligations that you feel like you have to fulfill mm. so much of the time that I do sometimes get pissed off when I'm like really on the internet too like the the one space <laughs> that I'm allowed to choose what I do with it I have to engage with this again I have to carry this obligation again it it is it's tiring and and I'm like I don't know how anyone could expect us to do that regularly and still function. I mean, uh, you know, power to the sisters out there and like, who, you know, we all have those friends, but I'm just like, really, like, when do you rest? Like, why are we not allowed to rest, guys? Why are we not allowed to pause? I understand this fight is still fighting, but if we keep doing this, we're not going to make it to the end. That's what I realized. I was like, I won't. I will not make it to the finish line because I will just be so exhausted. I need a minute to like, I need to give my, my brain a break. And that's it for episode seven. A huge thanks to Tuto for coming on again. I super appreciate you. And I hope you know you're going to become a series regular. Like... I feel like the fans have spoken, the fans being me. And we really bed through some technical issues during this recording. So a huge thanks to Tuto. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. In the meantime, and the meantime being before the next episode next week, make sure you check out the Instagram page at Make It Clap Pod. I always post updates on anything that's happening podcast-wise on there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Gadoni Kimaru if you are so inclined. It's moderately interesting. And you can also check out the website at www.makeitclappodcast.com. Remember to rate and subscribe this podcast wherever you're listening to. It really goes a long way in helping other people find it. Um, it also kind of keeps us on the map on whatever platform you're listening to. So please and thanks and stay safe, wear a mask, wash your hands and I'll see you next week. Bye.